Just one second. Almost ready. Almost there. Just got to finish up one last present. You know, it's that season. Got to get presents ready. Almost. Appreciate your patience. Thank you. Thank you. Good. Okay. It's done. What do you think? Isn't that pretty? Yeah, I did this all myself. Yeah. Hey, listen. Uh, listen, free tip here. Ready? Free tip. If you're writing a word and you run out of space, just make the rest of the letters straight down. And, uh, and nobody, everybody thinks you did that on purpose. Nobody can tell. It was a, everybody's like, wow, that's creative. So this is kind of a thing. You just go across and then just go straight. That's the thing I do. Anyways, that's a little helpful to some of you. Um, I mean, you know why I'm coloring, don't you, right? Everybody knows why I'm coloring? I know, I know, some of you are thinking, oh, it's because the Colors of Christmas starts today. No, that is true. The Colors of Christmas does start today. If you're a guest with us, boy, we're so glad you're here. It's a great day for you to be here. Uh, but that's not why I'm coloring. I mean, and don't get me wrong, I'm excited about this series. We're going to talk about all the colors of Christmas and how the colors of Christmas can help us learn what Christmas is really all about. That's all great stuff. But it's, it's not why I'm coloring. Uh, I'm coloring for a very different and important reason. Uh, now, some of you think I'm probably coloring because I'm excited about the new coloring book, the new Christmas coloring book that we've put out for the church. Uh, I've got a copy right here. Uh, that isn't why I'm coloring, but I am pretty excited about it. Just to be clear, this is a coloring book for kids and adults. You can do kids and adults together, or just adults. Apparently, adult coloring is all the rage again now, and so it, it's a coloring book. It has coloring pages in it, like so. He says like this. You can color that just like that. Uh, in fact, the Ericsons already got a head start because they're cheaters. I don't know how that is, but I got a picture of uh, Luke Erickson's little girls all coloring uh, the the Christmas coloring book. So it's actually don't blame them. It's their parents' fault for giving it to them early. It's not the girls' fault. Um, but we do have this thing. But it also it's not just coloring pages. It has devotions. It has activities for individuals for groups, for families, all kinds of things. Uh, it's a way to kind of go all the way in to the colors of Christmas experience and kind of really make it kind of just take over your whole life as we consider what uh, the coming of Jesus means. So this is a thing. I'm pretty excited about it, but it's not why I'm coloring. I'm coloring because I have recently learned that coloring pages, just like this one, even ones that look this good, are one of the universal love languages of the world. I don't know if you knew this. I learned this recently. I was hanging out with a bunch of three-year-olds just last week. Um, I know this is also a true story. During, the, during this service, 945 service, we had this great big mess of three-year-olds over in service, and, so, uh, and I didn't have anything to do. And so I was like, hey, do you need any help? And they said, sure. So we split the class into two classes. And don't worry, they paired me with somebody who knew what they were doing. Don't worry, your children were not left alone with me. Don't be afraid. I know some of like three parents just got up to go check on their three-year-old. No, they were fine. There was an expert in the room. I was just the helper, you know. Um, but we were having a great time. And, but, but when I got there, the first thing we did were these coloring pages. And man, these kids, these little three-year-olds, they were crushing it. I've got one that one of these kids did. I mean, man, I mean, it's amazing, right? I mean, this, that's some serious three-year-old coloring there. And so I knew, you know, what, you know, a kid doing this kind of impressive work, and I got to figure out what's going on here. I might be meeting the next Rembrandt. And so I say to him, I say, I say, who is that for? And he says, it's for my mom. I love her. I was like, oh, that's so sweet. And, you know, I want to encourage him because I'm, I'm worried maybe he's a little, you know, disappointed with his coloring there. You know, so I'm like, hey, listen, she is going to love that. You know, trying to kind of pep him up a little bit. And he says, yeah, I know she will. 
And I'm, for a second, I'm like, wow, this guy is seriously overrating his coloring skills. I mean, you know, I mean, I don't want to embarrass him or his parents, which is why I had them edit the name off the little, we wrote his name on the top of the paper, but we used the magic of Photoshop to edit that off because I don't want to embarrass the kid. But this kid's confidence in how much his mother is going to love this drawing, I think he might be overrating. But then I realized something. His confidence that she will love the drawing has nothing to do with his coloring and everything to do with his confidence that his mother loves him. Right? This is how it works. You, you all know this. You all are parents or aunts or uncles or friends of little kids, you know? And you, you, you've, been, you've had some little kid hand you their drawing, their masterpiece, and something in you, some part of your objective brain knows that you are not looking at a high-quality piece of art. But that part of you is totally overwhelmed by the part of you that loves the little kid so much that you love what they've drawn. You're like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. I am so going to put this on the fridge. And that drawing you just saw, that probably spent the whole week on somebody's fridge. That's an act of love right there, right? So I've, I've, I've figured this out. Coloring pages are... You know, they're the universal love languages, which is why this is what I'm getting my wife for Christmas. Uh, so I, I've just had this deep realization about the very nature of love. And so, you know, it's, sometimes it's hard to shop for your wives, but not this year. Not this year. You know, $1.50 for a box of crayons. I stole this paper out of the printer here at church, so it didn't cost me anything. And um, so that's a real gift of love right there. So she's going to be really touched by that. Don't tell her. I want it to be a surprise. You know how it is. So. Okay, so we're talking about love today. Red, the color of love. And all kidding aside, you know, that three-year-old is on to something about how you give a gift of love. Because what a coloring page from a three-year-old to his mom, all that says is, I love you. There's no other value to that, just the value of the love it communicates. And when the mom takes that color age page and puts it up on a fridge, all that says is, I love you. And I think... Boy, I wish I knew better in, in my modern adult world how to give gifts that just said I love you really, really well. And that when received, communicated I love you too really, really well. So that's what we're going to talk about here in a little bit. But before we get to that, we've got to do something else. Because here's what's true. We cannot give gifts of love. We cannot give gifts of the kind of robust love we want to show for the people around us until we have received love. You can't give what you do not have. And if you have not received love so as to strengthen your reservoir of love in life, you will not have anything to give. So what I want to talk a little bit today is just about how do we become people who deeply receive the love of God. Because what I know is true about us is we are people for whom there are a lot of obstacles to us really receiving God's love. A lot of things stand in the way of us and receiving the love God has for us. Some of us are here today, we're just not sure love exists. We just don't even think there is a loving God that exists. Or if there is a loving God, at least he isn't loving toward me. He couldn't be loving toward me. Those obstacles are the obstacles of skepticism and shame. And I am an expert at those two things. I'm an expert at skepticism, just asking, is it really even possible 
that there's a God out there who actually loves creation, who loves this messed up world. I'm an expert at shame. And even if there was, there's no way they could love somebody who's messed up like I have. I think a lot of us are shame experts. This last few weeks, it seems like every person I talk to, we eventually make it to talk about their experience of shame. I talked to a young man who had just messed up his career because he'd made some foolish choices and he just the whole thing had blown up. And he wasn't sure how he was going to care for his family and it just, he said to me, he said, I just feel like I'm a loser. And I can't do anything right. Talk to a young woman who had made some choices years ago. And they have left her so beaten up, so battered, that she just, she's just pretty sure that God's love, God's love is out there, theoretically. It's just not for her. Talked to a guy, he's my age, and he was talking about how he still, kind of deep in his heart of hearts, he believes all the junk that his dad said to him when he was a boy. You're worthless. You're not good enough. You never do anything right. You'll never make me proud. And he believes all that stuff about himself. And now he thinks that's what God thinks about him. And so he's pretty sure that theoretically God loves people, but he knows God couldn't love him. He's just too messed up. Maybe that's your obstacle today, to really receiving love so that you can give love. Some of you have a different obstacle today. You don't even know it's an obstacle. You think this is the strategy. Some of you are pretty sure that the way you're going to get God's love is you're going to work really hard to obtain it. You, you think God's love is real, and you think it could even be for you if you did enough, if you got your life on track, if you did enough right things, if you kind of, if the balance of your life is weighed and the good outweighs the bad, then maybe you will have earned God's love. That, some of you are here this morning for just that. You're hoping to put one more thing on the side of I'm good enough so God will love me. You're, maybe you're trying to quit cussing, or you're dressing up, or you're, you're giving to the church, or you, you put a dollar in the Salvation Army bucket. All good things, but you're doing it hoping that God's watching and maybe you'll earn his love. But here's the thing, what everyone, everyone who tries that discovers that you never do enough. You, that you always are just sure if you just do one more thing and do one more thing, you never do enough. And all these lies, all these lies, the lies that God is not loving, the lies that God could not love you, the lies that you've got to earn God's love, all these lies are so loud in our culture and so loud in our own psyches that eventually we cannot hear God who is just saying, I love you. It's a gift. I love you. I have this great Christmas present for you. It's the perfect size. It's just what you wanted. It's in your color. I know it will fit, and it is my love, and we can't hear it because all the other obstacles are just so loud and so clear. I was searching for an illustration to help explain how we get trapped and cut off from the love God wants to give us. For the past three weeks, I've just been kind of thinking, okay, what's the angle? What's the hook? How am I going to make this clear? How am I going to be able to kind of have this stick in our memories? And then Monday, I had this experience with my son, Bryant. 
uh, one of those kind of just, kind of just kind of stands out in your life. In fact, it was so clear that at the end of it, as we were kind of leaving this experience, Bryant said to me, so dad, that would, uh, that'd go pretty well in a sermon. <laughs> This is what happens when you're a preacher's kid. You start to look at life as whether or not it will work in a sermon. But he's right. It will work in a sermon, so let me tell you what happened on Monday. Okay, so Monday, uh, it, was, it was Bryant's birthday, uh, which you know, also was the first day back at school after a break. So double whammy. It's supposed to be your birthday, but it's the first day back at school. You know, and you do that thing. Do we really have to go to school? And said, yeah, I think they arrest me if I don't send you to school. So yeah, I'm pretty sure you have to go back to school. I think that's how it works. So yeah, we're going to school. And I was going to get home early, but then meetings happened, and meetings turned into more meetings. And so instead of getting home early to see him off the bus, I bustle in late after they're all at the table doing homework, you know, and we're just kind of in our grind, and it's supposed to be his birthday. And I've got a class at 6 o'clock that night, but I'm not ready for it because meetings happen that morning, and so I've got to be, you know, back in my office at 5. I need at least an hour of prep time so I'm ready for this class. So we've got this tiny little window, and we had planned this special birthday dinner, but I'm not going to get to go to it. So Betsy and the boys are going to go to that. We've got this hour, a little less than an hour. We had about 55 minutes, and he had been saving up all his birthday money to buy this strategy game that he wanted to play and he had gotten some of the accessories for it but he'd never actually gotten the core game that would actually allow him to play this game and I'd been promising to go to the game shop with him and Betsy could have done it but she doesn't go to game shops and I do and it would have been fun and so I was like okay We've got 55 minutes. You, hustle, finish your homework. I'm going to warm up the car. We're going to jump in the car. We're going to go, and then we're going to do it fast. I'll drop you off, and then I'll go back to work. I know, happy birthday, right? I was nailing it, right? So anyways, but, okay, we're going to do this, right? So we do it. He finishes up his homework. We jump in the car. We're driving across town. I'm watching the minutes click by in the cars. We're driving down there. We get to the game shop. We go in. We've got plenty of time. We're going to go in, make our purchase. I'll drop him off for dinner. I'll make it to my class. It's all going to be great. We walk to where we know the stuff is on the shelf, and it's all totally different stuff. It's like some game we've never heard of. You know, it's like World War II games or whatever. We don't play these games. I don't know. So we're like, we're staying cool. You know, he's like, maybe it's somewhere else. He must have rearranged stuff. So we're looking around. It's not that big a shop. It doesn't take us long, two or three minutes. It's gone. Not to be seen. The other versions of this game are there, but not the one we wanted. So by this time, the guy comes over, super helpful guy. We like him a lot. We're in the shop occasionally. We like this guy. He comes over. He says, so what are you looking for? And Brian explains. He says, I'm looking for this. It's not that. I'm looking for this version of this game. Blah, blah, blah. We're doing all this thing. And the guy, you can just see in his body language, Brian hasn't even finished what he's saying. And the guy's just like, oh, he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. He says, you know, they stopped selling that like three years ago. They don't even make that version of this game anymore. And, and Brian, you know, he's not slow. He says, no, 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 no. You don't understand. I know they stepped on that version. But remember, then they started selling the version that was compatible with that version. So I'd be happy to have sets from that. That'd be fine. Blah, blah, blah. You should explain what was going And the guy still, he's like, I'm sorry. Even that second version three months ago, they just discontinued it. I, I can't order it. I can't buy it. I can't sell it to you. I don't have any. So, I mean, you might get lucky. You could go on eBay and find somebody selling an old set, but it's, it's just not for sale anymore. Great. It's his birthday. It's late home from work. I can't stay for his birthday dinner. He'd been saving up money. He had the one thing he wanted. It doesn't even exist. He's taking it pretty well. He's like, okay, we'll go look online. The guy says, you know, I tell you what, I just rearranged everything and just shoved everything back in the back on top of a bunch of stuff. I can go look back in the storeroom. I mean, who knows? I might trip over something, you know, there might be something back there. I'll go look. 
He goes back to the back. I'm, of course, doing what parents do. I'm preparing my speech. You know the speech. Hey, bud, it's okay. I know they don't have what you want. We'll look for it online. It'll be all right. Here, look, there's a puppy. We'll get you a puppy, you know. It'll be okay. But, no, he doesn't need the speech, though. He's cooler than I am about it. Apparently, I'm the one freaking out. He's like, Dad, it's all right. Calm down. We'll look online. If it's not there, I'll get something else. Relax, Dad. So he doesn't need my speech. But anyway, see, we're waiting. And I'm watching the time tick, tick by. He's looking around. I'm like, okay, i got 20 minutes left. i got to drop him off, get back to church. Time's wasting. And then we hear the guys start coming back out, right? So um, this thing happens. I loved it. Both of us did the exact same things. I'm watching him, and you could just tell in his body language. The guy comes around the corner, and he's uh, carrying something. And as soon as we see that he's carrying something, we're both like, yes! Like, oh, we are concerned. And then he keeps walking, and we see that the box he's carrying is huge. Now, see, we both know something you don't know, that this game, it comes in like three different size kits you can buy for this game. And the way it works is there are kits that are about this size, and they cost, like, the ridiculous price of, like, $35. It's crazy. How, but they're this size, okay? Then there are some kits that are, like, this size, and they cost the absorbent price of, like, $70 to $100, you know? But then there are some kits that are, like, the huge mega pack kit, and they're, like, $400. And so, well, at first, we're all excited, and then both of us, we're not saying anything, but we're both thinking, oh, great. There's no way. And, you know, now I'm preparing my new speech, you know, which is, you know, yes, I love you, but I'm not spending $500 on a board game. You know, I'm preparing that speech, and I'm in my head, like, will he still believe that I love him? Probably not, okay? Um, You know, and he's preparing his speech. Dad, here's why this is a good investment of your $500. We're both getting our speeches ready. But before we have something to deliver in our speeches, he makes it over with his box. And he opens it up, and he says, hey, you know, it turns out I had one left. It's the ultimate mega special edition strategy pack bonus edition it's the biggest version we sell it's incredible look at all the stuff inside it's all here it's never been played with the rule books there the pieces are there the dice are there everything you want is there the whole thing this whole huge kit and Bryant's no fool and he's not getting sold so he says how much and I'm like yes that's the relevant question thank you son Uh, I agree the relevant question is how much and so he starts doing that thing that you know salespeople do you know Walmart there's a price you know stuck on there but this is one of the shops where he starts doing that thing where he thinks and you know you're in trouble because the longer he thinks that means the more math he's doing right so he's like I don't know your memories special edition blah 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 and I'm trying to send him telepathic signals it's like listen you can basically say whatever number you want but by golly, it better only have two digits. Like, that's what I'm trying to say. You know, pick a number. It just needs to be two of them. That's how many numbers you get, right? And, and if that could include the pennies, that would be great. If two digits could include the pennies, that would be great. Um, so I'm doing this telepathy, and he says, well, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's weird. It's, they sent me this as a demo, and we can't even sell the stuff anymore because it's discontinued. Uh, I don't know. I, uh, how about you just take it? And Bryant, he's no fool. He grabbed it round the door. No, that's not true. <laughs> okay, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. But we didn't waste too much time. I, I, think, I think out of courtesy, we might have said, are you sure? And he said, yeah, I don't think I can do anything with it. And we did. Take it. And we, and we walked out. Oh, oh, no, we bought a $3 bottle of, uh, of plastic glue so we could put the pieces together. That's what we bought. $3 we spent in that store. We walk out, and I love it. We're driving where I'm dropping off. He's going to meet my wife and other son for dinner. And we're driving, and he's just in the back. He looks at the cover. He opens up the box. 
he giggles. He closes the box, he opens up the box, and he giggles. And I'd tease him about it, except I was in the front seat doing the same thing. I would just think about what had just happened, and I would giggle a little bit. I would think about what just happened, and I would giggle a little bit. And that's when he says from the back seat, you know, Dad, I think you could use this story in your sermon. And I think he's right. In like five minutes, here's what happened. We had the thing we wanted, and then it didn't exist. And then it did exist, but we couldn't possibly afford it. Because seriously, we were not going to spend $500 on that toy. And then it was free. I promise you, we went there for this box. Remember the three sizes? We went there for this one. This was the thing we were looking for. And even that, we were feeling guilty about spending that much money on a game, as fun as we thought the game was going to be. And we walked out there with this thing. It was quite a journey. I giggled the whole rest of the night. I had to stifle it while I taught that class. But the whole rest of the night, I went to bed that night giggling. That journey, if we want to give gifts of love to other people, that's the journey we've got to go on with God's love. I can't take you on the whole journey today, but I just want to let you see what some of the highlights of that journey will be as you go on it in your life. The first highlight of that journey as you go on in your life is as you grapple with the question, does God's love even exist? And you let yourself come to the conclusion that God loves. Just at a fundamental level, God's posture toward the world is love. You see, it's so important to God that you know this. And everyone who speaks on God's behalf and says anything else is a liar. It's so important to God that you know this, that God actually arranged the universe so that he could prove that he loved. God does not want you to think that his love is some sort of mere theory or philosophical concept or theological idea. Here's how 1 John 4 puts it. This is how God showed his love among us. Not talked about his love, but showed his love. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Here's the way Paul puts it in Romans. While we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Now, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Now, though, for, okay, for a good person, perhaps someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates, God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for you. This is so important. God is not content for God's love to be a theological idea promoted by the prophets and the preachers. God's love is a work in history. God is saying to skeptics like me and possibly you, oh, I love you, and I want you to know it. So I've done something in human history that no one could imagine. I've sent my son to die on a cross so that all might be saved, and then he rose again to prove it all true. The journey to really receiving God's love starts with answering this basic question, did Jesus Christ come to prove God's love to the world? And figuring out if you know that that is true. 
But there's a next step in the journey. It isn't enough to know that theoretically God's love, God loves, and that he's proved it in Jesus. We've got to get the next step, which is this. God loves you. Some of you are pretty convinced I'm wrong about that. I talk to you when you're convinced you're wrong, I'm wrong about that. And, and, and some of you want me to know, although you don't want me to know, but you want me to know, and you want, you want God to know that you think you're just too broken for God to love. You're just too beaten up for God to love. You've done too much, said too much, and at some point you yourself have become damaged in a way that makes you unlovable. Some of you have experienced that from other people, and so you think that's what you'll experience from God. Man, I'm so glad that God knows that and has spoken to that reality. Listen to what God says through the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Ephesian church. Although you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you formerly lived according to this world's present path, according to the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the ruler of the spirit that is now energizing the sons of disobedience, among whom all of us formerly lived out our lives in the cravings of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and the mind, we were by nature children of wrath just like everybody else. So you come and you say, I think I'm pretty broken. You don't know what I've done. I've messed up my life pretty bad. And the Apostle Paul is basically saying, yeah, you're right. You are broken. You are messed up. You are damaged. In fact, it's worse than you thought, he says. You are dead in your transgressions and sins. So am I. I have given myself over to the desires of my flesh and the desires of my mind, living as if I was by nature a child of wrath. Paul says, I get it. I know just how broken you are. And then he says this, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even though we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you are saved, and he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus to demonstrate in the coming ages the surpassing wealth of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. He says, yes, you're broken, but if you think you are broken in such a way that God cannot love you and redeem you and bring you back to life, then you misunderstand the greatness of God's power. This is, I love this word demonstrate. Paul used it in Romans. He said Paul got to demonstrate God's love to make it more than a theory. He sent Christ in history to die for our sins and be risen to new life. But now here he says, to demonstrate God's kindness, he says, God wanted to prove I am amazingly kind. God wanted, let, you know, God wanted to let everybody be clear just how radically kind I am. God wanted to demonstrate that kindness. So here's what he does. He takes broken people, the most broken people he can find, and he brings them back to life. He takes lost people, the most lost people he can find, and he sets them on their path. He takes hurting people, the most hurting people he can find, and he heals them to wholeness and redemption. This is God's strategy for making sure everybody knows just how great is his mercy. So if you're here today 
feeling like you are broken beyond what God could love and redeem and restore, then I want you to know something. God has something to prove through your life. God wants to prove in your life just how much he loves as he loves you and brings you back from the dead and redeems you and seats you in the heavenly realms next to Christ Jesus because God loves you. And here's the next phase of the journey. It's not just that God loves and God loves you. It's that God's love is an unearnable gift for you. It's unearnable. And it's a gift Listen to what Paul goes on to say in Ephesians chapter 2, right after where he was just talking. He says this, For by grace you are saved through faith. It's not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. It's not from works, so no one can boast. He's saying this, God does not intend for you to earn his favor, and you could not earn his favor. God just wants to give it to you. This word grace, it just means gift. It's a gift that you're saved. It's a gift. You couldn't work for it if you tried. So stop boasting that you got rescued and just give thanks to the gift. I told you, I was with the uh, three-year-olds last week. It was awesome. It was awesome. Two things. One-on-one, if you've got a kid, you want them there. And if you are not a kid, you want to be serving there just so they can fill you up with the love of God. While I was there, they taught me a song. Disclaimer, it's not a good song. Second disclaimer, I am not a good singer. Okay? Put those two things together, what is about to happen will not be a pleasant experience for you. Okay? (laughs) But they taught me a song. The song goes like this. It has motions. I'm not sure if I have enough uh, you know, strength of ego to do the motions for you, but I'll try. It goes like this. Ready? Guess what? God loves you and he wants to be your friend. Guess what? God loves you and he wants to be your friend. I'll save you the next 20 times that we do that in a row. And then we say, when you're happy, God loves you and he wants to be your friend. When you're sad, God loves you and he wants to be your friend. And then you go through all the emotions that a three-year-old knows and God loves you and all those. And then you go back to the top and you do the guess what piece again like 50 more times. Okay, now... As I said, not a particularly good song. I'm not a particularly good singer. I warned you. Okay, but there are two things that happened to me as I was listening to that song. Okay, now number one is I did get deeply annoyed by the song. Okay, let's just be honest. Okay, number one, that was the first thing. But here's the second thing that happened. I thought to myself, oh my goodness, these three-year-olds are learning one of the fundamental truths of the universe. It's amazing. And so if you want your three-year-olds to learn the fundamental truths of the universe, first of all, make sure you're sending them to Mountain Kids. But secondly, make sure they teach you the songs. Because you need to know it just as much as they do. You need to know that, guess what? God loves you. He just gives it to you. He's just giving away. That crazy guy at the store, we would have spent 50 bucks on that thing. Let's just be frank. If he had said 50 bucks, we probably would have coughed it up. More than we'd hoped to spend, but for that, we would have done it. Dude just gave it to you. If you're here today, I apologize. You know, I hope your kids eat over Christmas, but you lost 50 bucks. Okay? So um, he just gave it to us. That's what God does all the time. What would we do? Think of what you'd give to earn the love of God and know you had it. And God says, I just plan to give it to you. There's one last step of this journey. This step, uh, this step is the, the one you have got to take if you want to go all the way to being the kind of person who gives the gifts you really want to give this Christmas. 
The last step of the journey is this. God's love is meant to be a gift from you. That's not a typo. We already covered God's love is meant to be a gift for you. This says God's love is meant to be a gift from you. You are designed to be a giver of the love of God. Listen to Ephesians, this text we've been looking through. Look what he says in just the next verse. He says this, For we are God's masterwork, having been created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand so that we may do them. You are God's masterwork. You didn't do that. God did that. That's the gift. But what you're his masterwork for is so that you might give to other people. You might do the work God's prepared for you to do. Listen to how 1 John puts it. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us. And his love is made complete in us. This is amazing. The gift of God's love that we have received is precisely the gift that we're intended to give. I think if you took that truth and decided it was more than a theological nicety designed for cross-stitch and inspirational posters, if you took the truth that the gift of love you have received from God is the gift God intends you to give and actually applied it to your Christmas presents this year, it would change what you gave. You would just do it differently. And we just have to acknowledge there is a whole industry designed to affect how you give Christmas presents, right? There's a a whole, there's a world conspiracy designed to affect how you give Christmas presents. Every advertising agent, every flyer you see, every store you walk into is part of this, this organized strategy to teach me what to give at Christmas. And they aren't trying to teach me how to give love. Now, they pretend like they are, don't they? Give this ring, and that's how you give love. Give this car, and that's how you give love. Give this toy, and that's how you give love. But God clearly demonstrates better than that. I was thinking, what are the values that I really get encouraged to give at Christmas? Because they don't seem like I get encouraged to give love. I feel like maybe I'm encouraged to give consumption. Or I'm encouraged to give status or newness or wealth. I love car commercials around Christmas time. Have you noticed this? You watch a car commercial in March. It's about towing capacity, miles per gallon, safety features, how much fun you'll have in it, that kind of stuff. But not around Christmas. Around Christmas, car commercials are all about how much she'll love you if you get her this car. Or he'll love you if you get him this car. Or how much status you'll have with your friends. You just watch the commercials and ask yourself what they're really promising. Because they aren't promising a reliable car with high fuel efficiency. They're promising something they do not have to offer. So what if we gave what we've received? What if we trusted God when he says, I will give you all the love you need and I'm asking you to give it to others? I think, I probably don't know exactly the answer for you and your family. But I think the question is worth asking. 
I would just, I would really challenge you, not in some vague theoretical way, but in a really strategic way. Sit down with yourself and God. Or if you, if you make Christmas present decisions with some other people, sit down with them and God. Make sure God shows up too. And just ask yourself, what would it look like if this year for Christmas we decided to give gifts that reflect what we've been given from God? Would the gifts you give be simpler, maybe? Would the gifts you give be gifts that draw your family and your friends together rather than drive them apart? Man, I love gadgets. But I get worried. If we all give each other gadgets for Christmas, then we spend the rest of the year sitting in different rooms developing a deep relationship with our gadgets instead of a deep relationship with one another. I don't know. What would you give differently Could you maybe as a family decide this year to give in such a way that doesn't ruin you financially? I know for some of you, you you actually, you you recognize you have gotten into a pattern that that almost sounds impossible. No, we couldn't do it. There's no way we could do Christmas and not ruin ourselves financially. That's just how it's what Christmas does to us every year is it ruins us. And by September, we've dug ourselves out of the pit. We've paid off the credit card debt from Christmas by September. We have two months and then we'll do it all over again. That's just what we do. Because our culture has taught us how to give gifts. That's what we do. What if God got to teach you? Maybe you would give yourself. You know, that's what God gave, right? He gave himself. That's the magic of coloring pages. You're aware of that, right? The, the, The reason coloring pages are a magic love language is not because crayons are magic or because paper has some special power. It's because they're a gift of self. It's a gift of self that's just trying in its inarticulate way to say, I love you. And we receive it, not because we receive the drawing, but because we receive the one who drew it for us and we say, I love you too. Could you give yourself in a meaningful way this Christmas? Maybe it's an hour of your time. Maybe it's a special trip to a favorite place. Maybe it's a commitment to visit on a regular basis. And then take the money that you would have spent on a gadget you didn't need and use it to buy a backpack for a hungry kid that will feed them for a whole year. Use it to buy a night in a shelter for a homeless person here in Harford County because we have homeless people for whom we sometimes don't have places to stay and the church needs to rise up and say that's not acceptable. If a person needs food and shelter, we're going to make that happen. You could do that if you gave yourself and just trusted God to guide your giving instead of whatever commercial you saw most recently. I think mostly, most foundationally, if we decided to give what we've received, what we would give would be sacrifice. Sacrificing our own priorities for what would really express love for people around us. My kids mostly need more of my time than they do stuff. Now, don't worry, if you're listening, kids, you'll probably get some stuff this Christmas too but they mostly need my time, and that would be a bigger sacrifice, really. My grandmother mostly needs my time. She doesn't need more socks, you know. She's got plenty of socks. What would you have to sacrifice? How would your priorities change if you decided to really give what you've been given? The reason giving what we've been given always starts with sacrifice is because God's love always starts back at the cross. We're going to share together right now in the meal of communion. If you're a guest with us this day, I'll tell you a little about this meal. It's an ancient meal. Christians have been doing it since Christian worship began. We just remember Jesus' death. There'll be bread and juice. 
And everyone who is trusting God as the leader and Savior of their life is invited to share in the meal. We'll take the meal remembering that the bread represents Christ's body and the juice His blood. Remembering that once upon a time in real history, God wanted to prove His love and so He sent His Son who died on a cross and rose again from the dead so that no longer would we wonder was God's love for us a theory or a philosophical concept, but that forever after we would know that God's love was a person and God's love was an event and human history has been changed. And today, as we share in this meal, I would just invite you, consider all that God has given you. God has given you life. God has given you rescue. God has given you healing. God has given you, He's given you His love. And as you do, I would just invite you to be so bold as to pray this commitment to God. Pray this commitment to God. God, as I have received, so will I give. As I have received, so will I give. That will change your Christmas list. It will change your Christmas habits. It will change the rest of your life. I would just invite you to be bold enough to try those words out. Say to God, God, as I have received, so will I give. Let's pray. Oh God, We didn't know if it were real, perhaps too good to be true, and then you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, into this world to prove that you loved us, even to the point of death. We didn't know if it could be for us, perhaps we were too broken, and then you sent your word saying that those who were dead in their transgressions could be brought to life, and that you want to prove your kindness by healing even us. Oh God, we didn't know if we could afford it. And then you said it's a gift. And so now, God, we meet you around this table remembering the one who gave the gift, even Jesus Christ himself. And we pray to you, God, as we have received, so let us give. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.